Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas. And the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. I am joined by Adrian Hernandez, Armani Buckets, Brandon Deutsch, full crew here on a Tuesday. How are we doing, gentlemen? Oh, we're going up on a Tuesday, baby. I'm feeling good. I'm hoping Armand feels the same. I have not been able to get to the movies yet. Have you guys seen the movies, Barbie and Oppenheimer? I'm not. I'm not. Topic, baby, it's you gotta make sure you, got, <laughs> you, you, Armand, you can't, you can't settle, man. If you see Oppenheimer, <laughs> apparently it's a once in a lifetime experience. You gotta see it either in IMAX or seventy mm. Oh like you can't, man, you know, you can't like don't go and see it in just regular with no IMAX. Like you gotta wait. My plan was tonight with no IMAX, so now you're making me reconsider. But my <laughs> plan gotta, was tonight. You, you, you can't go. You can't go half IMAX. You know, yeah. speaking of this Oppenheimer, I, I want to ask Arash, so I got to ask you a question. Professionally, yeah. um, I want to know what's the most, I don't want to say petrified or terrified, um, like move that you've ever made in your career or thing that you've done. Because with Oppenheimer, believe it or not, Robert Downey Jr. said he was very nervous to yeah. now do a role that was an Iron Man. And he's kind of like, yeah, I've kind of had it easy. I would just show up and do my lines. And I obviously he wasn't in the suit like for all the action stuff. So it was a pretty good gig. Um, and now he's like, oh, no, now I have to like I have to play a person and not rely on all this stuff as a character. Um, and by the way, the people are saying that he like blew it out the park and he might, he might win an Oscar for his performance, which is just crazy to think about. So for you, like what's the most terrified you've been in doing something? You know what? It, it's really when the show began. Uh, this was October of 2020. It was during the pandemic. Uh, and when 1090 relaunched, uh, they wanted to give me a one. It, well, it was a one hour show at the time, but it could have expanded. Um, and it sounded simple, but we could not go into a studio again. This was during the pandemic. So I talked to Scott Kaplan, who uh, hosted a very popular show on 1090. And he made it seem like it was super simple, bro. Like, hey, you know, just record two 21-minute segments. I had no, I had no idea what I was doing. So, I mean, that, that was very nerve-wracking to kind of try to put together a show. I brought in Jihei. Quite frankly, I think she would fully admit she didn't know what she was doing. Again, big difference between doing a podcast and doing a Monday through Friday show. So Jihei's like... Like, I know how to put together my Bravo podcast. Again, she has a podcast where she talks about her favorite shows on Bravo. And I don't think um, they thought that we would still be a show. And not only a show, uh, what, what we've done with the show uh, beginning this week, and we'll expand upon it next month. Um, we're now live. We're, we're now on YouTube. We're, we're <coughs> excuse me, not only on 1090, we're on in Hawaii, we're on in Vegas. So how this show began, when I think about it, how it began three years ago, I, it, it's that was terrifying. It was very terrifying. 
And here we are, oh, baby. The evolution. And you brought up YouTube. Be sure to subscribe YouTube at the Sporting Trip. By anyway. the way, I, and I want to bring this up because uh, we, we've, we've had a lot of great discussions about uh, journalism and young journalism. And I'm not only very proud of where the show's gone and how it has evolved, but I think back to how the two young men below us, Adrian, uh, where they, uh, how they began. And, and, and they both had the courage just to contact people. And I told my students this when I teach at USC. You don't know unless you ask. And both of these young men contacted me out of the blue, and they just asked for a chance. They asked for an opportunity, whether it was to you know, talk to me. And we needed talent. We needed people to you – know, for the first year plus of the show, it was just me and Jihei. And it was getting very boring. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't think Brandon and I don't think Arvon thought when when they contacted me that I was going to put them on the air. And not only have they they've succeeded, they've really become uh, you know the very big uh, content creators on TikTok. And and Brandon's out there covering games, and he'll tell his kids one day that he covered Shohei Otani. So I'm very That's proud of these two young men. Thank you. Yeah, I remember those Jihei days well. Those, those were the days. You forgot to mention, what was the mic called? The snow globe that you guys would snow record globe. on? I still, I still yeah. got it here somewhere. Yeah. There you go. That's going to be, uh, yeah, very important memorabilia one day. Exactly. Absolutely. I know it's good. The show has grown so much. You know, I miss, I do miss the days when, you know, and you meet uh, just going in there and, you know, seeing everybody every single day. But what can you do, you know? It's this. We got it. We got to do it. Streamyards working. We're getting it up on YouTube. It's easier to upload, and plus we get to see Adrian's beautiful face every day now. <laughs> That's right. right. Stop. <laughs> Me and Brandon. What a what a Tuesday. You know what? Right. Are crap, right. People are at work right now, listening, doing their thing. Like, oh, the week just started. We're not even close <laughs> to Thursday or Friday. And look at us with all this positivity. Very anti first take. I like this. I know, right? We, we, we kind of... Okay, so now, not so positive. I, I do want to get into something that, that, that has continued to a drag on here. The future of one Damian Lillard and um, how this thing is kind of dragged on. A lot of people are, are not happy with the current state of the league where, where, where players can dictate where they go. For my money, I have no problem with a player basically saying he's not happy in wanting to move. I do want to talk to you guys about that. You know, what, what do you think? You know, the quote-unquote quote, player empowerment. I have no problem with that. I, I do think at the end of the day, I get it from a small market, small market perspective that you don't want to have this, uh, you know, player that you've drafted or you've signed to a long-term contract effectively say, hey, trade me to Los Angeles, trade me to New York, trade me to Miami. Like as much as the biggest names and those grab the uh, headlines and those are the names we talk about, there's only a, a handful of guys with that kind of pull. And I don't have a problem if they're not happy. And with Dave Lillard, by the way, he's given it his all. I mean, he's really trying to make it work in Portland. And I, I do think this is one of those rare situations that it would, it would behoove both, both parties to move on. So, Brandon, yeah. I, I want to start with you and just get your thoughts. I mean, do you have a problem – with the player empowerment, and do you? I mean, when I view this, I don't think it's a league-wide problem. Again, you could really count on one hand 
perhaps two, but I, I don't even think you'd need all five fingers on the second hand for the number of players who could pull this. Yeah, um, I, look, I think this is a situation. I know there's been athletes, former athletes that have been outspoken, like, you know, just enter free agency when you enter free agency, right? That's what free agency is for. Uh, I don't agree with how James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving over the past couple of years handled their situations. Ben Simmons, too, just because he was scared of Philadelphia and the fans. Like, that's literally why he wanted out. It was a whole, you know, thing that got to his, his mental. And I'm not saying that's wrong. But at the end of the day, I feel like this Damian Lillard situation is different because he did give his all. He gave them more than enough opportunities to build a winner around him for years. And again and again, they disrespected him by going toward a rebuild, drafting Shade and Sharp two years ago, Scoot Henderson this year. And it's like, look, that's all good, but I don't want to be here when we're going through this rebuild. Like, I need to go contribute on a team that can contend for a championship, like Miami, uh, Boston, Philly, uh, you know, wherever he ends up, which is probably Miami at some point. It's going to drag on, and it's annoying, and I, the, the GMs really are trying to take a stand here because they know it's setting a precedent. Like, even Damian Lillard now wants out. When are we all going to want out? You know, but I also think GMs are taking a stand with the Celtics not too adamant about offering Jalen Brown that huge, massive contract extension that would make him the highest paid player in the league because there's certain things to discuss. You can't just throw away money like that to a guy that turned the ball over eight times in a game. So I do think we're at a stand right now between the GMs and the players, and this is why the situation is dragging on so long. Yeah. Another thing that kind yeah. of stuck. The um the the fire of this as we all wait um is Austin Rivers who that's right is, I don't know if he's a, a co-host but he's a frequent guest of the Ringer NBA podcast and some of their NBA podcasts and you know to to his credit he's been more outspoken than most players in this era where every NBA player also has a podcast um and, and has really gave some insight and he basically said you know to paraphrase. James Harden, um, James Harden and Ben Simmons were kind of the guys who started this with demanding their trades and that this stuff is bad for bad, bad, excuse me, I can't talk today, bad for the league, um, even even veterans signing for for minimums to try to win. Like even that's messed up the money for players that aren't superstars. Um, and look, there's there's a there's there's two sides to every story, right? If, if this is bad. Or, or good for the league. I just think that if you have that power, if you have that clout, you can do what you want with it. If if I came to Arash and said, I can only do this show one day out of the month, but that day is the most downloaded going crazy, <laughs> he's going to allow it because it's best for business. And that's kind of the situation that we're at. And it doesn't matter if it's sports or whatever. And I... I don't have a problem for after so many years, like how people get treated in any sort of business for those that are really the cogs of making things work. You know what I'm saying? You can be a great GM, right? You're still not the dude that's going on the court and winning the championship for your team. A coach can only do so much. You can put him in the best position to win. The players have to be the ones to win. So when you're one of the superstars and you're one of the ones that can move the needle or you're one of these guys that is in the final moments, final times to get that big contract before time runs up on you, kind of similar to running backs and their whole philosophy in the NFL right now, I'm not upset at them trying to be put in the best situation financially or if they really just want to win. And Damian Lillard's kind of... um. He's kind of an outlier on all of this because of 
what you just said, Arash, some of the the loyalty, how many years taking the team to the Western Conference Finals with CJ McCollum being his best teammate and all these things. And it's also weird to me when people say, I hate all this. You know, there's a large portion. There's been a discussion. I think Kevin Durant even talked about it on Twitter that some of the players believe that like people don't even watch our game. They 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 are enthralled in the NBA world because of the drama. Because the drama is so much more than other sports. Free agency. We're tracking flights. We're doing this, that, and the third. And you can't have both sides. You can't eat both both. Uh, both pieces of that cake, you know what I'm saying? You can't love all this drama and then to be be surprised when players want to do these movements. A lot of people love the transactions. If you love the transactions, this is what comes with it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think the biggest thing that, you know, teams have to see where they are in terms of their future. You know, if they've hit a wall and, and they've gone as far as they possibly can go, whether that's the Western Conference Finals. You know, with the Clippers, I mean, I had a lot of respect for what they decided to do at some point in time, you know, when they had Chris, Blake, DeAndre, that crew, you know, they hit a wall. They hit a wall in the second round of the playoffs. And and I think that they came to the realization, hey, there's cheaper ways to lose in the second round. Like, like let's what? let's hit the reset button and let's try this again. Now, you know, they got Kawhi and Paul George in that team. And perhaps that ceiling is the Western Conference Finals. And, and again, they, they've only made it one time. But if they believe that is the ceiling for that team, at some point you do have to hit the reset button. So Armani Buckets, a lot of talk about player empowerment, Dame Lillard. Your thoughts? I am pro Austin Rivers. And the <laughs> reason is because, and I know that uh, um, it seems like I'm in the minority on this, but I have no problem or no, no issues with Dame requesting for a trade. He should be able to do that. My issue is when... People are trying to strong arm their way to one destination, especially after you just signed a contract extension. We talked about the shade and sharp thing. You brought it up, Brandon. That was the year where Damian Lillard was injured the entire year. That's the reason why they were not good um, and got a top pick to draft a guy like that. The timeline doesn't match up. So you want to trade. That's completely fine. And the Blazers should do right by Damian Lillard. They should say, hey, we want to send you somewhere that you want to go to. But my issue is when you say, hey, I want to go here and only here. And if that team doesn't have the assets to make a trade work, then it, it seems like it's unfair to the organization, especially considering you signed the contract extension. We didn't force you to sign the extension. You wanted to. Also, I feel like this goes back, and it may go back even further, but Anthony Davis with the Pelicans kind of um, – Austin Rivers mentioned Ben Simmons, James Harden, but Anthony Davis was a big one, you know, with the um, That's All Folks shirt that he wore yeah. <laughs> to a game. Um, but the difference with that was the Lakers had to give up an arm and a leg to get Anthony Davis, whereas the Heat really – they don't have the assets that Portland wants. So, I mean, I think it's a different situation in that regard. That was more so the Lakers were – everybody was like, if they're going to get Anthony Davis, make sure that you make them give up every single asset that they have, and they basically did. So, yeah. <laughs> Player empowerment is one thing. I want the players to be able to choose for the most part. But when you're picking one singular destination and you're kind of telling your franchise, you know what, sorry, this is where I'm headed, 
it makes it really hard to build if you're if you're a team like the Blazers. And let me add on this because I know we have a few more minutes here. I wanted to say, Armand, I'm not in agreement with guys like James Harden or, you know, like I strong arm. Like, that's just soft. They just wanted to leave. They signed their contracts. Like, I fully believe in free agency. Like, you know, I mean, you're getting paid 40 million. Like, come on, bro. Like, the least you could do. Like, you signed that extension. I'm more the only guy I agree with is Dane. Is my point because yes. that that's a guy that you know gave his heart and soul for years. He did sign the the extension. He didn't have to. Could have said I wanted to leave. You know, the following year and entered free agency. However, at that time they were coming off of a playoff appearance, right, or a playing appearance when he signed that extension, or was it or was it the year he was hurt? I think it was the year he was hurt. But can we not make it a three-team list or a two-team list or a you know a four-team list? Hey, Does it have to be a one-team? If that's where they want to go. But, but generally ever- speaking, I mean, like, hasn't it usually been a one-team list? When you talk, talk about Anthony Davis, it was very clear what he wanted to do. Like, I don't think he just wanted to be traded. I think he wanted to go to LeBron I, with, yeah. Le- with, with LeBron. I mean, some guys maybe want to be traded just in general. But like for example, James Harden. I mean, uh, and we'll, we'll see how that plays out. And he's not like he's not Dame, right? He's not a current uh, top five, top ten player. But he wants to go to Los Angeles. He wants to go to the Clippers. Generally, these guys know where they want to go, right? Yeah, yeah the heart. No, no. <laughs> blueprint for the most part no and here's why because they changed Harden has changened his mind like eight times where what do you mean he knows where he wants to go he wanted to go to brooklyn he wanted to go to philly and now he wants to go to another losing team in the clippers now no no no. i'm talking now like for example with clutch sports the reason that i think that they're fantastic for the lakers they will try to get their players to come to los angeles so it's not that dame just says and again, maybe we've had these situations where players like, I hate it here. I don't care where you trade me. Just get me out of here. It's normally not that. It's normally I want to leave here. I want to go to Los Angeles or I want to go to Brooklyn or I want to go. Like they know where they want to go, right? Like with the Heat, when they build up that that super team for the first time, they got together. LeBron said, I'm going to go to Miami. Dwayne said, I'm going to resign with, with Miami. Chris Bosh said, I'm going to, like, they know where they want to go. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I for that. sure. Yeah. It's just what, yeah, go ahead, Adrian. Go ahead. Yeah, um, thank you. Uh, the one thing I do want to add is that for every situation that you guys <laughs> are in, like Anthony Davis, et cetera, et cetera, there's also Isaiah Thomas giving his heart out to Boston and Boston. Well, that's the worst, yeah, exactly. And that happens a lot more in a lot lower variations of players that we're not paying attention to. Then the opposite. So it all equals out in the end, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I was he, just going to add. The like, Isaiah yeah, Thomas one, that was really bad, though. I mean, like, what he had to go through to take the court. I mean, no, I mean, wasn't it his sister who passed away? And yeah, he, his yeah. sister died, That's then the they traded him for Kyrie, a guy who's a team cancer, you know? Yeah. All right, Brandon, so. you go. I know. <laughs> I, I was just gonna add, like, like they think they know where they're going, and a year later they change their mind. So sure. we're both so right. Exactly. Like Arash, Arash, you're right in the sense they know where they're going right now, but they'll change it exactly. in a year. And I think that's the big problem. 
I think we're reaching a tipping point, though, with with team versus player. And the interesting one is the Harden one. And I was listening to the Zach Lowe podcast, and they brought up a huge dilemma with Harden. If a player is on an expiring contract and has one year left, if he fails to report at the beginning of training camp, Basically, what happens is the Sixers can restrict him from going anywhere, meaning he can't go to any other NBA team, even if the contract is voided for some reason, and he can't sign overseas. He cannot play professional basketball until him and his organization, Philadelphia, reach a conclusion. And obviously, we saw that he chose to go uh, eat Bun B's burgers instead of going to Joel Embiid's way. Hey, so. hey, I'm not shaming anybody for yeah. going the rolling loud. Also, <laughs> exactly. Philadelphia, you need to remember, I mean, it was Ben Simmons who showed up with his pajamas and his cell phone in his pocket doing the layup yeah. drill. So it ain't nothing for him Amazing. to show up. They know how to play yeah. this game. It ain't, it ain't nothing, man. It ain't nothing. They know how to play this game very smartly. There's too much money involved to be treating it too stupidly. That is true. All right, guys, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, a lot going on in Vegas. The start of Raiders training camp. We got Spence and Crawford fight week here in Las Vegas. We'll get to all that and more when we come back right here on the Marty or Ted 90 in Southern California, the bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Still clown with the underground. 
Welcome back to the Raj Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mighty Air 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or just want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. All right, let's go out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline right now and join, joining us the man that I believe is the voice of Las Vegas sports, the Sporting Tribune's columnist, man about town, Steve Carp. Steve Carpy, how are you doing, my friend? Good. Good to be back in town. A little, little warm here, as you can <laughs> imagine. My hair is a mess. Anyway, yeah, it's uh, it's good to be with you guys. All right, Carpy. Listen, big week here in Las Vegas. I don't even know where to start with. I will start with the Las Vegas Raiders because they are reporting um, to a camp. Um, big season for them. One big question that we did get somewhat of a response to. We'll see how he looks. Jimmy G has been cleared. Um, how big is that? Did you have any concern that Jimmy Garoppolo would be good to go? No, because... When this whole foot thing came up, it was in the spring. It's not in the fall. And as long as he's okay on opening day, they'll probably put him in bubble wrap for the preseason. <laughs> well, remember, Derek Carr didn't play at all last year in the preseason. So I'm not too concerned. What I'm concerned about is long-term durability because if he goes down – you know, Brian Hoyer's your guy. And I don't know that that's the answer to long-term success for the Raiders. They have bigger issues, though, obviously. Yeah. You know, the, the whole Josh Jacobs thing, you know, will it get resolved by week one? Apparently, he's left town. You know, I was in New York last week, and obviously the similar situation the Giants are going through with Saquon Barkley. Uh, but the Raiders have a little different situation than the Giants, and here's why. They got a guy, Zamir White, who you know hardly played last year, but they drafted him out of Georgia. He only played 14 games. He had 17 carries, 70 yards, not much of an impact. He really hasn't had a chance yet to show what he can do, and he's going to get a great opportunity here in training camp to convince Josh McDaniels that he's worthy of a lot of playing time. And if it works out well, then Josh Jacobs is going to have a hard decision to make. Does he sit out the season like Levy and Bell did, or does he take the 10 point whatever million that uh, goes with the franchise tag and plays football? You know, for you and I and Adrian, uh, maybe not Adrian. Adrian's a rich guy. Ten million, <laughs> you know. I mean, I, I I know I could live on ten million. I might buy a racehorse or something to uh, kind of keep me busy. But honestly, Josh Jacobs should be in camp, ready to play. And I, I just think he and Saquon Barkley are victims of a devalued position in in the NFL. It's become more of a passing league, and wide receivers and tight ends are more coveted than running backs, which is a shame because, you know, the game is predicated on being able to run the ball and control it and control the line of scrimmage. 
And, you know, Josh Jacobs, the Raiders had the best guy in the league. And, and he's only getting better. So this is a tough call for Josh, uh, not for Josh McDaniels, for Josh Jacobs. Because I really believe Zamir White can play in this league and, and be an impact player. It's just one of the, the weirdest situations in sports where if you're running back, the more value you add to the team, the less good it does for yourself. And yes. the difficult part for me is that, like, this team's offensive line is still isn't good despite the success of Josh Jacobs and what he did last year unbelievably. You know, shout out to Colton Miller, a guy who, who steadily improved and has become one of the top 20 offensive linemen in the league when you look at all these reports going into this upcoming season. But still, that offensive line wasn't that good. Um, you're talking about Jimmy G's health. Talk about anybody quarterbacks, let alone health or success, if they're not going to get that much time in the pocket. They're not Houdini. They're not going to make anything happen. And outside of his performance, he's been one of these culture guys that has been here for so long and is still very productive. And it just, you know, when you hear the story that he was in Henderson, he was at the headquarters in the parking lot, in the car with Max Crosby, waiting until 1 p.m. hit, which was the, the last minute that the Raiders could offer him the contract. Like, this is a guy that wants to be here. Despite all of this, his camp that he does yearly, he came back, you know, and did it. Hell, I remember that there was an open-heart surgery with his dad two days before the, the game against yeah. the Chiefs. I think it was Monday night or one of the weekend specials that ABC, ESPN and ABC put on national TV. Like, he could have just stayed home. The, the Raiders were 6-10 and 10 at the time, but he came back to play. It's just one of these culture things that, you know, the Golden Knights here in Vegas were critiqued for so long for how do you treat, how they've treated some of their players like Flurry, and it kind of seems like the same situation of, how are you going to demoralize that locker room by not treating Jacobs right? It just is a difficult thing for me to fathom. And people can throw around, well, if I had $10.3 million, I'd be fine and blah, 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 blah. Like that doesn't matter. If you were at work and someone in a similar position to you, no matter what your job was, was getting paid this much money and you feel like you're putting in more work or you're getting hurt or some of the things that running backs have to go through, like you have to fight for years. The, the, the okay. lifespan of an NFL player is three years. Like your career is three years. So for Josh Jacobs to get his money, I don't really have a problem with it. You know, I, I agree with you, Adrian. You know, running backs in, in this league have a very short shelf life. And, and it could go by very quickly. And um, I don't begrudge Josh Jacobs for trying to get paid. But I also believe that, you know, there's a, a reasonable number that both sides should be able to agree on. Unfortunately, they didn't get it done in time for the deadline. But uh, I, I still think, you know, down the road, I mean, I think the Raiders want Josh Jacobs in Las Vegas. Josh Jacobs wants to wear the silver and black. Okay. So you would like to think at some point these two sides could come to terms and make it work. Because whatever Zamir White does, whether it's good, bad, and different, they need Josh Jacobs if they're going to be successful. And uh, that, that's the bottom line to all of it. Because, yeah, it looks like they're going to be okay with the rest of the offense. We'll see. 
But defensively, but you know what, Adrian? Here's the thing, Arash. This team's got to get better defensively. This is what I'm writing about for later in the week in the Sporting Tribune. As the Raiders go to camp, they're still one of the worst defenses in this league. Okay? If they're going to move up in the division, which is really good, the AFC West, they still were the worst of the four teams defensively. They've got to stop people. And, and if they can't, it's not going to matter what Jimmy Garoppolo does or if Josh Jacobs is here or there or not there, right? Yeah. yeah. So you you gotta you got to be able to make plays on defense. And, and do they have playmakers on D? A couple. I mean, Max Crosby, obviously. You know, who knows if Tyree Wilson is going to pan out? Maybe he does. Maybe Byron Young, the guy they took from Alabama, steps in and becomes a, a starter and an impact player. They, they've got to find guys who can make enough big plays to give the offense a chance to score. That's what's going to really determine whether this team moves up or not. And uh, one thing, I, I got a couple more questions um, real quick. Can we just agree that if we, to close the loop on the Josh Jacobs conversation, at least for now, that Dave Ziegler had an option, had the option, I should say, to extend the fifth-year option to Josh Jacobs, and that would have been $8 million. Or now if he comes back with um with the franchise tag, it's going to be $10.1 million. Like, that's a mistake and cost the team money. Um, And the other thing I, I want to ask you, Steve, is, you know, last year maybe there was false bravado in the offseason with the Devontae Adams trade and the connection with Derek, and now we can really compete this, that, and the third. Um, I think everybody realizes the situation the team is. Um, and there's been a, a surprising feeling of patience with this team, um, despite what happened last year. And to me, it seems like we're heading towards another six and 11, seven and 10 season for this team. How thin is that patience going to be, though, for Las Vegas and Raiders fans, in your opinion? Well, <clears throat> all right. The patience is coming from the owner. All right. Mark Davis isn't blowing people out just yet. He's going to ride it out with Ziggler and McDaniels. If you talk to the fans, they're not as patient. They, they pay more than any other fan base in the league to go watch their team play. All right? Their patience is kind of running thin. And so for them... The Raiders need to make a big step forward. And I'm not talking about winning the Super Bowl and playing, you know, in Allegiant Stadium on February 11th. I mean, that would be an unbelievable experience for it to come to pass. But, look, the likelihood is they're probably not even making the playoffs. So forget all the Super Bowl and, and Vegas stuff. But, yeah, you know, Adrian, it depends on which side of this coin you're on. All right? Management is patient. The fans who paid the freight are not patient, all right? And you don't want to alienate your fan base if you can help it, right? So what do you do? They, they tried to make a big move. They moved on from Carr. They brought Garoppolo in. I, I think their draft was okay. We'll see how it all pans out. I mean, if Tyree Wilson can play, all right, if Michael Mayer can step in and take over where Darren Waller was or wasn't really, he was hardly on the field last year. 
Those are big wins for Ziggler. But honestly, I, I'm just not seeing a quantum leap forward by this team, especially when the other teams in the division, and I'm thinking more like Denver hiring Sean Payton to be their coach. They finally have a coach who could probably get Russell Wilson playing well, like the old Russell Wilson. And, of course, the Chiefs aren't going anywhere, and the Chargers are still pretty good. Rush. I mean, you're there in L.A. watching these Charger games and, and the way this team operates. Yeah. They're, they're capable of making a deep run in the playoffs. I mean, yeah. do you think that, or, or am I wrong? No, listen, you, you, you bring back Justin Herbert, I think, on paper. A little bit of what the Chargers suffer, um, I think, is what the Clippers have. Where on paper, if they're healthy, if they can hold a 27-point lead against Jacksonville, they are going to be a very good team. So there's no doubt about it. The uh, Chargers with Justin Herbert uh, will be very good this year. Yeah, it, it's a stacked division. Uh, Carpe, there's, there's a lot to get into. College football is the next one. You did a front-page column for the Sporting Tribune on the current state of the Mountain West Conference, San Diego State. Uh, a lot of drama, I th thought, for no reason. But anyway, they are still in the Mountain West Conference for at least the next two uh, years. The Pac-12 had their media day the day after the Mountain West did, where uh, we will find out if they're going to bring on two more teams after USC and UCLA leave. Do they stay and once again become the, the, a Pac-10? Let's start with the Mountain West. Let's start with San Diego State and obviously with UNLV, uh, who amazingly got one first place vote. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. But anyway... Exactly. Okay, the Mountain West. What are your thoughts on the Mountain West Conference right now? And then in a larger scope, what will that conference look like in a couple of years? Well, I, I really believe change is coming in the Mountain West at some point, whether it's in a year or two or three, whatever, because... When I look at what ESPN is going through, laying off big-name people, along with a lot of you know, very important behind-the-scenes folks, where is money coming for a league like the Mountain West? Forget the Pac-12, which can't seem to get you know, its media deal done in order to decide what their league's going to look like. And, and, again, this is where USC and UCLA were really smart to get the hell out when they did. Because <laughs> the Big Ten, along with the SEC, are going to be the two dominant leagues in, in college athletics. And, and the Big 12 is positioning itself to be right there. So, all right, you're the Mountain West. You are who you are. It's a good, it's a good secondary league. You know, with Boise State, San Diego State, um, when Utah State is is going well, it, it's you know it's good. Air Force is good in football. San Jose State has revived its athletic program in football and and men's basketball. So for the time being, they were smart to keep San Diego State in the league. But they know, as I wrote last week. This marriage is still very rocky and, and very shaky on very shaky ground.
Because the moment the Big 12 and the Pac-12 offer San Diego State, they're gone. They're out of here. And so the Mountain West has to have its plan ready. Do they bring Hawaii in as a full-time member? Do they look to another league and, and try to bring someone else in? Do they remember, you know, not a lot of schools play football on the West Coast yeah. that could be a potential member of the Mountain West. I mean, could you bring Montana or Montana State in? I guess. Could you bring Idaho in? Maybe. Weber State? I, I mean, I don't know. But, but what I do know is that TV is dictating everything in college athletics. And that's why the Big 12 has done what it's done to try and give itself the most opportunity to get the most exposure by its media partners. And, and you know, Arash, I, you can maybe explain this better than I can. What the hell is George Klivikoff doing at the Pac-12 to keep his league together long-term? Here's the thing. I mean, I thought it was outrageous that they had not figured out a media rights deal. I think we all thought that he would open up the Pac-12, uh, you know, the media day in Las Vegas at Resorts World, at the Zook nightclub, which was very interesting, that you would begin that media day with, here's our new media rights deal. The one thing that I will say, having talked to him, he is uh, quietly confident that they have a deal in place that will keep the remaining 10 teams, which is very big, Steve. I got to be honest with you. I definitely thought they would poach at least two more teams and give USC yeah. and UCLA some um, help. You know, again, when you just look at that travel schedule, and I'm not worried about football because football is football. But the other Olympic sports, for example, what their travel schedule is going to be like in the Big Ten will be very interesting. Steve, we only have a, a couple of minutes left. And again, this really goes to Las Vegas once again being the center of the sports world, not only with the National Football League, not only with college football. The biggest boxing match of the year will take place this mm -hmm. week, week in Las Vegas. You'll be there. Our own Adrian Hernandez will be there. Um, sure you guys will have some fun together. I'm going to be there. Spence Crawford, T-Mobile Arena. I got to be honest, when I dreamt about covering sports in Las Vegas as a kid, it always centered around the big fight. Steve, mm -hmm. you cover some of the biggest ones in Vegas history. Put into context, context the significance of Spence Crawford. I've seen both of these guys fight throughout their careers. And they're both action fighters. They're high-volume punchers. Crawford can usually start a little slow, but once he gets rolling, no one has stopped him yet. I mean, the guy's 39-0. He's got 30 knockouts. Yahoo Sports, my friend Kevin Ioli, has him as the top pound-for-pound -pound fighter in boxing. Okay? But Errol Spence is extremely talented. I mean, this guy has everything you want to see in a champion. He throws... He defends. He's smart. He's got great ring generalship. For me, it's it's just a quality matchup of two highly skilled fighters who know what they're doing and know how to go from plan A to plan B to a plan C, if need be. I'm anticipating a very, very exciting fight. I, I think it will go to distance. 
I'm not sure who wins because oh, I have a lot. Of, give me a name before we get out of here. <laughs> I've got a lot of respect for for Errol Spence, man. He he's a big time talent. But I I've been around Crawford since the start, and Steve and this Jensen, guy never ceases to amaze me. No, he's also a little bit bigger than hey. Spence. But here's the thing, Steve. We got plenty of time. We're gonna have to close it out here. But you're gonna be there. The man himself, Adrian Hernandez, will be there with the camera. And I, 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 I know you two will be making TV magic that we'll have on the show and on YouTube. Uh, Steve, so glad that you came on uh, to really talk about a little bit of everything in Las Vegas. That's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.